Hey, good morning. I'm Emilio Desperado, and this is the Desperado Team Real Estate Show, powered by Engel and Volkers Real Estate. And uh, we're here with you every Sunday. We're excited to be here talking about my favorite subject, and that's real estate. We want to be a resource for you. We are a resource for you. Anything and any service you need, contact us. We'll connect you. 401 401- 217-2333. And I'll repeat that through the show. Again, 401-217-2333. I'd like to thank our guest, Carmine Delena, for being here with us. He runs Delena Law out of East Greenwich now for about 40 years. This man has been rocking and rolling in real estate. And uh, he works with his wonderful daughter, Melissa Delena, who's been doing this for God, 15 to 20 years now. They know their stuff. I always go to them whenever I have any real estate legal questions and uh, they do a ton of closings for us. I highly recommend them. But anyways, let's jump into the topic and welcome Carmine Delena. Carmine, how are you, sir? Very, very well. And thank you for having us. Always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. So the topic we want to cover today, we've gotten a lot of questions from folks about housing violations. They seem to come up. Uh, mainly, I see these a lot with investment properties, Carmine. And uh, But housing code violations, having them resolved or released in advance of closing and the underlying fines and penalties associated with those violations. Can you let us give us a little bit of an insight on how these violations can hold up a closing, how they can cause uh, major expenses along the way and some pitfalls, maybe some ways to avoid that. It's ironic that you picked this subject. Uh, I had a closing in West Warwick about two weeks ago, and it probably got extended for about two weeks just because of a housing violation, believe it or not. It was a foreclosed piece of property with multiple violations on it. And by the way, it had been on for quite some time with a per diem, uh, a per diem fine. So we want to close on it and assume it because the buyer was a rehab specialist who was going to rehab it. We had quite a problem with them because they didn't want to assign it at first. They said, no, we want to correct it. So well, we get a foreclosure from a bank. They're not going to correct it. Finally, they did agree to allow the, us to assume it. We stipulated, we had to sign an actual stipulation that was entered in that we would do all of the work that was required. And the foreclosing bank had to pay $10,000. Um, and that was like a break because it was like a hundred dollars a day and it, it had like a, a face amount of 30 or 40,000, but they actually accepted $10,000. So it could be significant. That was a bank, but it could be the same thing with a homeowner who kind of ignored it. Uh, I think a lot of people get these and they really don't read the fine print, which called for a per diem. And, um, that could really catch up to you. And yet again, we had a hand delivered check for $10,000. Unbelievable. And the extension, the, the time that you wait too. So here's the other, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Well, it was just that I had to go through hoops with the solicitor who was very accommodating in that particular community, but he was dealing with the town manager, you know, trying to broker a deal where we could do it because it didn't make any sense. And, and the house was quite run down. It really, it really was. So that was, you know, what we, we had to do. And it, it took about a solid two weeks, you know, him trying to reach me, me trying to reach him, reach the town manager. It uh, dragged the closing on a couple of weeks. Now it was a bank, but it could have easily been a homeowner also who sometimes these things happen. People just kind of forget about it. I think it's something minor and don't realize the far reaching consequences of these type of liens. Oh yeah. You know, aside from that too, though, I've actually had situations. This was in Providence where there was a housing code violation 
uh, several housing code violations on a multifamily, and it actually stopped, it inhibited us from closing. Um, rates increased at the time to a point where the buyer couldn't even move forward. And this was a few years back. Remember when rates were around 5%? Mm -hmm. So they jumped up and uh, because of the time it took, the buyer couldn't even move forward. And we're kind of in a situation like that right now where rates a month, month and a half ago were 2.75. Rates have jumped up for the most part to about 3.5, 4%. Don't quote me on those. Talk with the mortgage originator to get you know a live quote. But that could also be an issue because in the purchase and sales agreement, correct me if I'm wrong, I know I'm right, but you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but anyways, in there, there's a stipulation, and if they don't put prevailing rate, and if they put a set rate on there, let's just say 4%, rates go to 4.1%. They, they've got an out, right? That's their out. So there's all these little things and all these little intricacies, and it's super important to have the right legal team and... Um, and people looking out for you there. Yep. While I'm talking about a foreclosed property, I'll go back to the lien in a moment. Um, you have to be very careful if you're buying a foreclosed piece of property. A lot of uh, flippers, as they're called, are buying homes. Yep. Well, without mentioning any names, there's a couple of law firms that are taking on these cases of a homeowner. Right now, if you are buying a foreclosed piece of property and the homeowner is still living in the property, no closing. There's no closing at all. No title company in the state of Rhode Island will issue title insurance because what will happen is they're going to litigate this thing to the nth degree, just shaking the tree for some money where the bank will say, okay, here's 10000 20000 go away. We want this over with. It's terrible. It's a misuse of power and uh uh, unfortunately, um, I was one of the first ones to learn by that. My guy bought the property and uh, found out that the homeowner was in there. The title, at that time, he did have title insurance come and they did um, defend against the, the lawsuit, but they couldn't get to get the uh, homeowner out for about a year and a half, two years. And here's a piece of property he was trying to flip. So um, I, I, I don't highly relish those type of law firms that do that because they try to go back and pick apart the foreclosure in any way they can to challenge it. So absolutely, if you're buying a foreclosed piece of property and the homeowner's in there, there's no, there's no closing. It's not even a discussion. We put it as a provision. You know, I myself invest in properties. We put it as a provision and their property must be vacant at time of closing because if it's not we're not being held to that date. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong here, but time is not necessarily of the essence in Rhode Island as far as closing dates, even if you're- It, it is not. That's an interesting, that's one of the most frequently asked questions of me. Uh, my closing's on the 15th and they told me they can't close to the 17th. I want to sue them. I want to keep their deposit. Rhode Island is well known uh, to say that it's a reasonable time thereafter. Now, if you ask me what's reasonable, well, you know, we know six months is not reasonable, but we know that a day is, you know, not unreasonable either, you know, so it, it, it I'm sorry, six months is uh, certainly unreasonable, but a day or two is. So that becomes a big, big hassle, unless you check time of the essence. And it will say time of the essence is a two-sided sword. If that seller can't get out because the mover uh, didn't show up or there was, you know, somebody's ill, then they've got a problem. So I never, ever endorse time of the essence. It's just a two-sided two sword that can be quite um, quite scary. 
Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Hey, if you're just joining us, I'm Emilio Desperado. This is the Desperado Team Real Estate Show, powered by Anglo and Volkers Real Estate. And we're talking Rhode Island real estate right now. And we're here with Carmine Delena with uh, Delena Law. And uh, and uh, Carmine, I always, Carmen, I always do this to you. Carmine, Carmen, and it's like you must I, get that I, all the time. I, I, my, my stock answer is if I'm in a godfather mood, I'm Carmine. Uh, other than that, I'm common. So that's that's basically how I pronounce my name. Tomato, tomato, I know, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I answer to either one of them. You know, I've been called a lot worse, so that's not a problem. I've been called you know? a lot worse, too, but I noticed that every time I have you on for an interview, I'm, I'm, I'm flip-flopping over here. Um, but it's, it's all good, man. So uh, I appreciate that. Anything else that you can give us as far as... Yeah, I'd like to touch base back on the... Um, the uh, housing violations, uh, my boss, Melissa Delena, uh, advised me yesterday, uh, that's why I'm the B team and she's the A team, yeah. that uh, Central Falls now is tying the housing violation to a smoke certificate, which is pretty pretty sneaky and pretty effective. So you go in to get a smoke cert, he's the, the fire inspectors say, no, you got a housing violation. So again, no closing. Wow. So. That's kind of unique. And, and Melissa told me about that yesterday. I hadn't run across that yet, but she, you know, it's all trial and error and she just ran across it and they couldn't get a smoke without a smoke. There's no closing. So, wow. that, you know, it's a little devious, but you know, a um, couple other quick things I like to talk about is a probate uh, in real estate, how it applies. Um, I frequently get a, you know, I do probate work also. And I just want to show there's a distinction that, a will that contains a power of sale does not need probate approval. We can just go in and sell the property. If the person dies intestate or without a will, that's an administration and it's an administrator. That administrator can sell the property, but it's got to go to probate court for approval. And frequently they'll require appraisal because the judge and the probate courts has got an obligation to protect the decedent and uh, the heirs. So they're going to say, yeah, you want to sell a property for 200000 you know, to your neighbor or to your friend. Not happening. You know, it's going to be the fair market value. So another reason why it's important to have a will. Very, very important. Wow. Absolutely. Yep. I see big all the time. Well, and that stuff. Yeah. It's a big distinction. Again, talking about things holding up a closing. You know, I, I actually the other day and I did the probate and my guy called me up. Well, I, 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 can, I can sign this listing agreement as the executor. I said, well, number one, you're not, you're not an executor or administrator. And number two, we got to go to probate court to get approval. So that's important. Yeah. And uh, the last one I'd like to do, and there's a lot of confusion with brokers, and it's regarding a power of attorney. Yeah. Um, frequently, a power of attorney is prepared and executed you know, for an elderly person, uh, sometimes people with dementia. And I have brokers saying to me, well, we got a power of attorney. That is not necessarily good. And I'll tell you why. The person, the grantor selling the property has to sign it. Uh, in rare occasions, the title company, if we get a certificate from the doctor, we'll do it. And because there's a potential for fraud, you know? Yeah, my dad's, uh, he's sick, he's in the hospital and you wanna sell a property. So there's a potential for fraud on that. And uh, that's that's an area of concern. Um, and again, I have a lot of brokers tell me that. The other thing is when a power of attorney is drafted, it's gonna be a durable power of attorney. Durable meaning that in the case of incompetency of the person granting, the power of attorney is still as good. Wow. 
It's uh, needless to say, there's so many moving pieces and parts to any type of transaction, never mind a real estate transaction, which we estimate there's 52 people involved in about uh, 360 steps between the buy and sell side of a transaction. It can be tough to know all of those moving parts. So we, uh, we definitely rely on folks like Carmen Delena and Melissa Delena. We appreciate you for being here with us today, dropping some knowledge for us. And um, if you have any questions for these folks, you can give us a call on our off-air number. We'll connect you 401-217-2333. Carmen, thank you so much for being here with us. Again, thank you for having us. It was our pleasure. And we look forward to you being in East Greenwich on Main Street. You're going to be our neighbor. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait. We haven't made that official announcement yet, but you just made it for us. <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. Hey, Bill, can we cut that out? Edit that out. Yep, I'm you sorry. got it. I got you it. Just, if you could just put our neighbor, that's fine. That's cool. Yep. Yep. Awesome. No, don't worry about it. It's all good. All good. Sorry Keep about that. You. Don't worry about it. We, we just don't want tell to, Melissa. <laughs> just want, no, no, no. We just want to make sure the finance finishes and, and then we're good. But thank you. Thank right, you very so, much. Good having you. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a while. It's good talking to you and good seeing you. I know. We'll see it's, each other a lot more, I'm sure. I'm just going to close out the segment real quick. All right, Bill, we go ahead. We're rolling, yep. All right, awesome. All right, good stuff. Again, Carmen Delena, thank you so much with Delena Law covering Rhode Island, Massachusetts real estate, right center, center located right in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Stay tuned. We've got a great guest coming up, John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance. And uh, we're going to be covering the new federal flood insurance rating plan starting in October. You're going to want to hear this if your property is affected by flood insurance. Right back here on the Spirito Team Real Estate Show News Radio 2020, 104.7, streaming on WHJJ. Hey, good morning. Thanks for joining us again on the Spirito Team Real Estate Show. I'm Emilio Spirito, and this show is powered by Volkers and also LaPointe Insurance. And we've got a great guest with us today. We've got John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance with some special information. And up and coming in October, we are about to get smacked with what looks like a flood insurance rating. And that sounds like it could be an increase. A lot of Rhode Island, Massachusetts is hit with this. John, what is going on, brother? Yeah, so this has been in the works for quite some time that uh, the NFIP, National Flood Insurance Program, that's the flood insurance sponsored by FEMA, uh, the government flood insurance program. Uh, for a long time, they've been saying that they need to rework the way that flood insurance is rated. And it definitely does. Now, when this first came out and they announced this, we actually talked about it on your show, Emilio. This was back when we were in the studio in Providence. We talked about it. And I think I said at the time, don't hold your breath. It's going to take a while because it's the government and everything with the government takes longer than it would with private enterprise. So um, here we are, though. It sounds like on Friday, the uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency unveiled its plans and they said that they're moving forward with it starting in October for this flood rating 2.0. So what does that mean? Well, flood insurance right now is based on a very antiquated system. When they first started doing flood insurance for the, through the government, they first started doing flood insurance period, because that was the only flood insurance originally. Um, it was based on a hundred year floodplain is how they rated flood insurance. And that hundred year floodplain is basically based on an area of, you know, is there a chance that within a hundred years, your your home is going to experience flooding and they vary that, you know, based slightly on your location, low lying areas near rivers or in a slightly different 
rating than areas that are right on the coast and have risk of high velocity coastal waves damaging your home. But that system that they started back in the 1970s is still around today. And now we have satellites, we have you know, global studies on climate change, we have uh, all sorts of drone technology and imagery mapping, high tech advanced studies on weather patterns and uh, changes in water, all sorts of stuff that the government just has not been using. So the way that they have explained it is what they're going to be doing is rating flood insurance more accurately, the same way that private companies have been doing it for years, really. And that's why we've experienced so much better rates with private flood insurance than your government flood insurance typically. So the proposed changes and what they're advertising is that the majority of homeowners are actually going to save money on their federal uh, flood insurance. If you purchase flood insurance through the government or want to, they're proposing that most people are going to see a decrease in their flood insurance rates. A minority of people are going to see an increase. And they're what they're saying is they're trying to make it more equitable. So they want flood insurance for high value, expensive homes to be more expensive. And on the flip side, flood insurance for lower value, lower income areas to be less expensive. So in theory, I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, it's something that if you can do it right and make it equitable for everybody, sure, it makes sense. There are some people who are in higher end homes, high, high rent districts that are paying less on flood insurance than somebody um, is in you know, West Warwick, who owns a, a, you know, a 900 square foot ranch. And for some reason, they're paying more. The thing is, I, I don't know that it'll necessarily really work because the private flood insurance market has done such a good job of making a lot of options available that the smart money and high-end homes that are going to see an increase in their flood insurance rates are just going to jump ship and go to a private flood insurance company that's going to offer the same product for less. And they're going to say, well, I'm not subsidizing this program just because I have a nicer home um, and, and pay that extra money. Um, there's, you know, the way the law is, you, you are now able to get private flood insurance and um, the only people who are required to get federal, you know, government flood insurance are certain types of loans. If you have a FHA loan or VA loan, you'll be required to, but um, most of those homes are the ones that will see benefit from the rate changes anyway. So it's a good thing for people who are first time home buyers taking advantage of FHA, uh, you know, veterans taking advantage of VA loans, there, there are income requirements. There are, you know, uh, purchase price limits on properties like that, loans of that um, type. So those people will see a benefit, but I, I do think it's these plans may crumble under their own weight because, you know, um, uh, eventually people are going to catch on. You know, if they're seeing that their rate's going to increase, they're going to shop. And They've already caught on. 
Right. And you're, you're going to share this information as you are right now, just like all of the other fantastic, uh, you know, insurance. Whatnot. I mean, it's, I agree with you. You know, a lot of my wealthy clients with those large homes, John, they don't even buy flood insurance. It only covers- They self-insure. It only, yeah, it only covers $250,000. Now- That's correct. It makes sense. I would agree with that. But when you have a $4 million home in Narragansett and you get pummeled, the 250K, they don't really care about it. That's their basement. Whatever. Yeah, abso- absolutely. You know, and, and that is the, that's the other thing too. Like, you know, $250,000 for uh, some homes is a total loss. 250000 for other homes is- uh, you ruined your lux- luxury finishing on the home. You know, it's yeah, $250,000 goes real quick on a $4 million property. Maybe yeah. their pool is now not chlorinated. It is salt water maybe. And, and their infinity pool in their basement is flooded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? Um, so, you know, the current flood zone pricing was basically a subsidy to people. So, um, and that's that's kind of the way that they had had it set up for a while. The idea behind the original system was to um, yeah subsidize you know that um, that flood insurance for people who are in high risk areas that owned a home and and wouldn't otherwise have disaster assistance. Right when you think of like Hurricane Katrina um, and Louisiana, but, you know New Orleans is what you saw on TV, but there were thousands. Of you know, tens of thousands of homes on the bayou, right? And not in the city that are lower income areas, you know, like they're, they're shrimp, shrimp fishermen and, and very, you know, rural towns that are homes that aren't of a very high value that were probably entirely washed away, you know? And so like the, the program is originally designed to do that. Um, the problem is that, uh, again, it's, the, the government is running this uh, flood insurance program and they're running it as a, as a subsidy for people. So it's at a, a gigantic deficit. You know, it's just not rated accurately. If there was a, a real, uh, if it was a real business, it was a for-profit business, like most private flood insurance companies are, they're rating risk accurately to try and turn a profit on that. So they are going to, you know, make insurance high on places that need to be higher. They're going to make insurance lower on places that need to be lower. And inevitably, there's going to be some people who don't have the money to afford what flood insurance actually costs for their area. Um, the new program is is going to try and do that. And I think try and have it both ways, which I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily going to work. You know, that's, and, and as soon as this stuff starts to come out too, you're going to see all the lobbying come out against it. Um, there's, you know, whether it's the, the folks who have high value homes and don't want to see insurance rates go up, or if it's, um, you know, things start to go sideways. The last time that the um, flood insurance program tried to make some changes, I believe they were trying to take uh, get rid of the grandfathering provision with flood insurance. So they were trying to make it so that, you, you know, you couldn't stay grandfathered into a lower risk flood zone. Say you were in flood zone X and you bought flood insurance and it was $500 a year. You got remapped into a high risk flood zone. 
you can continue paying that amount, your grandfathered in, and then you can transfer that grandfathered policy to a prospective buyer of your home to keep them you know, with a great flood insurance rate and make your home um, much more marketable to people and open to a wider pool of buyers. With um, When that happened, when they were trying to get rid of that provision, the National Association of Realtors came out against it. Makes big, sense. Big time against it. Yeah. It's going to make it impossible to move coastal property. Uh, property in flood zones is going to be much more difficult to sell. Warwick, so they, West Warwick, Cranston, Providence. Exactly. Made it, and, and you know it, you've experienced it. Oh, it's, cool. it's harder to buy or sell property in a flood zone, especially when it's an area that is not luxury homes you know it's one thing if it's a home that's a million dollars on the water it, like you said the, yeah. the people are really not that concerned with it it's it's a drop in the bucket or it's something that they're going to self-insure when it's homes in warwick west warwick coventry cumberland lincoln these people are are you know want to buy the house but they need the flood insurance the bank is going to require it and it's going to be expensive. It's going to make it harder to move that property. So we'll see how it shakes out. It sounds like what they're trying to do is make it better, make those properties, um, you know, more uh, inexpensive to insure. But the devil will be in the details. You know, we'll we'll have to see how it shakes out. And as soon as things start to go, like I said, start to go sideways, you're going to hear everybody calling for it to go back to the way it was or for them to change it. So I think we're going to end up with some sort of watered down version of this uh, that just results in not really fixing the original problem. I think they'll probably have flood rates that are a little bit more accurate, but at the end of the day, uh, what's been happening with the national flood insurance program and uh, what I think will continue to happen is that taxpayers subsidize the program because it's at a gigantic deficit. I think it's, I don't know if it says it here. Um, I'm gonna try and find it. Uh, yeah, NFIP is currently $20 billion in debt. Not surprising. I mean, I think anytime the government touches something, it usually fails. Uh, yeah. they, they, I, I think a lot of stuff should be privatized, but you know, let's see, hopefully it works out uh, for the, you know, all across the board and benefits everybody. But John, we, we appreciate that information. Now, listen, listen, guys, if you want to stay up to date with this, John constantly shares a ton of great content on his social media platforms. I would suggest to Google Appoint Insurance. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube as well. He does fantastic videos. Stay in touch with uh, what's going on because it could cost you and reach out to your insurance broker. Uh, or your insurance company, if you see rate increases, maybe there's something they can do for you. John, any uh, closing comments? No, not at all, man. I I, uh, I pretty much covered it, but if you have any uh, flood insurance questions for me, absolutely look us up, Google the point insurance, promise you we'll show up and uh, give us a ring, You know, let us know. We definitely love answering these types of questions. And flood insurance is one of those areas where uh, there's just not a lot of clarity. And, and I think that it's truly in one area where you will benefit most from talking to an independent local insurance professional, as opposed to one of the big box companies, there's a lot of nuances to flood insurance that aren't really covered when it comes to dealing with a, a large company. It's not very cut and dry. So give us a shout or talk to your local agency because um, that's going to be the best, best type of person for advice on anything flood insurance. Hundred percent. Awesome. Thank you so much, John Lapointe with Lapointe Insurance. Check these guys out. Google Lapointe Insurance. 
reach out to him. Let him know you heard it here on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show. Sean, have a great day, sir. Awesome having you on. We'll talk soon. Thanks, you too. You're welcome. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back here on WHJJ. Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm Emilio Despirito, and this is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show, powered by Engel and Volkers, and this is your show for all real estate things. So we're talking today with uh, a special guest here, Isabel Moda with Engel and Volkers, and uh, we're talking about house hacking. And if this is the market to do it, what house hacking is and all that stuff. Great topic. Isabel is one of our advisors at Engel and Volkers, and she covers Island in Massachusetts. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So first off, Isabel, what is house hacking? <laughs> yeah, so house house hacking um, simply is just when you get someone um, else to pay your mortgage for you. So uh, you live in the same home. So whether that is, you can do it in residential, but it's typically in multifamilies. Yep. Um, so whether that's like a duplex or just like a regular multi. But um, yeah, so basically you would just rent, you would live in one unit and then you would rent out the other two or three and those two would pay for your mortgage. So, so that house hacking has been uh, increasingly popular as, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a lot more millennials jumped into the marketplace because what the millennials and what the, the Gen Z, what, what, what they've found, what we've found, I should say, is that you can subsidize your mortgage, your insurance, your tax and sometimes even make a little bit of coin and live for free, which is fantastic. And you can go in with 100% financing, leveraging what, like Rhode Island housing, right? And yeah. after a couple of years, you can move out of there, you go get your single family home, and now you have an investment that costs you $0 and is paying you income every single month. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think that it's great that a lot of younger people are getting into it, like you said, because it it's like your mortgage is your biggest monthly expense typically for a lot of people. And if you can get someone else to cover that um, while also not living in a typical apartment like complex, it's a win-win situation. And you are just literally saving every income that you make um, and you are making income off of the tenants that you have as well. So there are, and then you get your tax write-offs and everything else that comes with home ownership. That's fantastic. So I know a lot of people take it to the next level with house hacking, right? They'll do, they'll, they'll, they'll jump in house after house after house. And with single family homes, right? And this is what I've seen. They will go into a home that needs work. They will live there. They will do all of the work and then they'll turn around and sell it for a profit in a market like this, right? Mm -hmm. So in this current market, right? Um, do you think that this market right now is still a good time to be house hacking. I do. I think um, people are scared away a little bit from the high purchase prices, but I don't think that people realize that your appraisal contingency is in there. So if the house doesn't appraise, you're not gonna, you're not gonna really purchase it. And then on top of that, I think the more important thing is that you are, we're at the lowest rates still like ever. Um, we're hovering near the lowest rates and it's, I would take any day, I would take a higher list price and a lower rate because you have the lowest rate for the entire span of the mortgage. I mean, you don't have to refinance. You don't have to do anything. You can just hang on to that rate forever. And it's like, I think it's smarter in the long run, especially um, you're just protected either way. I think it's still a great time. 
Yeah, that's a solid point, Isabel. You've got a fixed 30-year mortgage at about 3.5%, which is some of the lowest rates ever. And, uh, you know, rates have been ticking up. So rates were 2.65, 2.75, like just only a month, a month and a half ago. Um, and with the rates where they're at right now, even with the high prices, things are still pretty affordable. Um, and I think once we get to that point where the rates go up, say, 4 4.5%, .5%, you're going to see a lot of buyers come out of the market. But the inventory is still low, so there's going to be enough buyers to go in where appreciation on home prices is still going to increase. So, yes, I think right now is still a fantastic time to go and, and, and house hack. Hey, if you're just tuning in, I'm Emilio Desperado, and this is the Desperado Team Real Estate Show, powered by Engel and Volkers. We've got a great guest on with us today, Isabel Moda. She's an advisor over at Engel and Volkers, covering Rhode Island and Massachusetts real estate. And the topic that we're speaking about today is house hacking. And uh, we were discussing how somebody can go in, purchase a multifamily, and basically live for free. So this is a fantastic option. First-time home buyers, Isabel said, uh, even second-time buyers, but first-time buyers can use 100% financing here in Rhode Island, leveraging Rhode Island housing um, programs, and basically have all of their expenses paid for for a couple of years, and they can either sell that property or keep it. We would suggest to what? Keep it, right, Isabel? Definitely. I mean, when you keep these properties, especially an investment property, rents go up as time goes on, and property value also goes up as time goes on. So you're just hanging on to something that's just appreciating in value instead of depreciating in value. So, I mean, it's the smartest thing to hold on to it and eventually sell. Isabel, you've got some solid advice here. I appreciate everything that you bring to the table over at Engel Volkers. I'm super proud of you. I mean, I think you're just knocking the ball out of the park. You're a homeowner. You're one heck of a, you're a hard worker. You understand it. And you're also 22? 21. 21. All right. 21 years old, homeowner, uh, uh, advisor, real estate advisor in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And just helping out so many people buy and sell right now. I think, I think it's amazing what you're doing. And I get a lot of respect for you. So thanks for sharing house hacking with us. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, no, I think that that's it. Um, thank you for having me, though. I am. I appreciate getting the time to talk and share. Yeah, you're welcome, Isabel. Always happy. Come back with us again. And uh, if you guys would like to reach out to Isabel, you can reach us on our off-air number 401-217-2333. Just mention Isabel in there. We'll connect you with her again. 401-217-2333. She is helping uh, first-time home buyers and second-time home buyers house hack. If you're interested, give us a shout. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back here on the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920, 104.7 FM, WHJJ streaming on iHeartRadio in a couple minutes. Thank you. Hey, good morning. This is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show powered by Engel and Volkers. And every single week we bring you the top five events by our very own Jennifer Jaber from Rhode Island, blogger.com, riblogger.com. And uh, she's going to let us know about the top five events here. Jen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, my friend. It is getting warm out. People are looking for things to do. Restaurants are filling up. Live music is back. And I know you know about all the hot spots to go. What, what do we got? Yeah, I know. It's so exciting. So if you're looking for a staycation, this is actually the second year 
um, April 17th to April 3rd, a lot of the local hotels are opening their doors for unbelievable deals. There's B&Bs, there's boutique hotels, there's high-end, there's family-friendly, all levels of hotels, um, cozy inns, and promos start as low as like flat rate of $100 a night. And I believe that week also crosses through um, April vacation for a lot of students too. So if you're looking to get away and have a staycation, there's a, I started checking it out. There's so many hotels. So you can go anywhere in Rhode Island and get a great deal. Um, Sunday, April 18th is the Run for Nature virtual 5K runner walk. I think this is a great thing to get family and friends involved in too because it supports the Audubon Society's um, work and, and all that they do to support the wildlife. And it's their first ever 5K runner walk. Hopefully next year it'll be an actually an in-person one if we support it this year. And, and you can choose where and when and anytime you run during um, Earth Week, which is April 18th to 24th. So you sign up and then you make a plan to just do the run, the 5K or walk whenever you want to, and then you just post it. Um, again, back to food. I always end up back there. Uh, food Truck Fridays will resume at Roger Williams Park. They start April 16th, it's from five to eight and it goes all the way to September 24th. I've been, I always plan to go a few times um, once they open up. You can pay just for what you eat and drink. You don't actually have to pay an admission fee and um, there'll be over 15 locally owned food trucks, beer from Trinity Beer Garden and um, also live music. So definitely check that out. And it will coincide with the uh, Asian Lantern Spectacular. So you can you know, see both things. Oh, cool. Right. Um, Blythewell Mansion uh, Daffodil Days takes place until May 16th. It's from 12 to 4 daily. Uh, they have 33 acres that are covered with over 50,000 daffodils and all kinds of other flowers. So if you want to get there and check that out. And you can also um, board the Coastal Queen departing from Newport and Jamestown Saturdays and Sundays to check out the daffodils from the coastline. And that departs at 2.05 and 3.55 and it's a 90 minute narrated tour. So, so Again, I think we mentioned last week that the daffodil days are going on, but now the events around them are kind of cropping up. So those two ways to see them. And then Sunday Fun Day returns to High Street in Westerly, which is also a great time. Um, it's from noon to 8 p.m. It starts April 18th, it goes to May 16th, and it's on Sundays. There's local shopping, local food, street vendors, art, music, um, and much more. The 18th from 12 to 3 is the Howling Hound Dogs, and 4 to 7 is James Harris. Uh, but the next weekend is Big Lux. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a hip-hop violinist. I have, yeah. Okay, so he's there four to seven on May 2nd, I believe. So definitely, yeah, he's pretty fabulous. Oh, that's awesome. I love the violin, and I love all those different styles. Like Lindsey Sterling, I don't know. Listen, if you guys have never heard of Lindsey Sterling, do yourself a, a, a favor, Google her. Jen, you, you know Lindsey Sterling. Yes, yes, another one of my favorites. Amazing. Unbelievable. You know, I was actually out to dinner with a friend yesterday talking about some music instruments that are hardly ever used, and I wish they were more. The violin, I think these are so underrated. The violin, the um, the harmonica, I love yeah. the harmonica. Right? Me too, me too. And the saxophone, I think these instruments are just so awesome, and uh, I just feel like they could be used a lot more in, in, in even like pop and all this other type of music. I wish they would. Yeah, I totally agree. I know, I love it. That's why I'm psyched. I, violin, I always seek out the violin, but I agree the harmonica and the saxophone are fabulous. Right, good stuff. And uh, so listen, if you want to know what's happening here in Rhode Island, you got to check out riblogger.com because she has so many events. She updates this website every single day. I swear, like every hour, something new pops up on there and you can literally put your 
uh, organizations or your company's events or whatever it is you're running in there at no charge, which is fantastic. And you can also reach out to find out how to get in the business directory as well. Check it out, riblogger.com. Jen, appreciate you so much. Thank you. Have a great week. You're welcome. You too. Thanks, Jen. All right. What a great show today. Hey, before I leave you, I get the question literally daily, how is the market? I'm going to let you know a couple pieces of information, which is crazy. Right now, if you're looking at the single family market here in Rhode Island, amongst all 39 municipalities, we have 631 homes on the market for sale. That is insane. That is so low. And you may say, well, it sounds like a lot. No, it's not, because normally we have between four to 5,000 homes. Check this out. There's 1,639 pending single-family homes on the market right now in Rhode Island. That is absolutely nuts, right? That's almost three times the amount of pending homes as active. And the time on market right now is less than two weeks. And we are having anywhere from, in most price ranges, between 10 to 15 offers on homes. And I know that sounds crazy, and I'm going to leave you with this. Even the multi-million dollar homes are selling right now at record prices, okay? So whatever it is, regardless, if you're looking at buying and selling a $200,000 home or $20 million property at Engel & Volkers, we have you covered with our global network of advisors in 34 countries, 950 locations. We are now proud to be open here in Rhode Island. I want you to give me a shout personally. I'll help you out, 401 217 2333. Leave a message for me there, 401-217-2333. I'll take care of you and all of your real estate needs. Happy to be here with you every single Sunday. Thank you so much. I'm Emilio Desperado with the Desperado team. And I'd like to quickly thank Bill, our station manager and producer this week, as well as Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com, John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance, Carmen Delena with Delena Law, and Isabel Moda with Engel and Volkers. Guys, have a great week. Stay healthy. God bless you. We'll see you next week here on the Desperado Team Real Estate Show.